Good morning, friends. It's wonderful to be with you and in your home this morning. I hope that you are um, with friends or with family. Um, if you are alone, I hope you're not alone. I hope you're gathered with others and you're having watch parties or, or you're connecting with others around church and then around a meal afterwards, perhaps. Um, that's it's wonderful. So this morning, we're going to spend some time in the book of 1 Peter. I've been reading um, through 1 Peter and I felt like the Holy Spirit keeping me in that book and, and teaching me quite a lot through it. So sometimes I, I try and read a whole bunch and sometimes I find myself just staying in one place, almost camping, if you will, there to mine out as, as much as I can and ask God to speak. So we're going to be in 1 Peter. If you want to open your Bible or flip to it on your phone, we're going to be talking about living hope this morning. And obviously the, the book of 1 Peter was written by Peter and he wrote it to encourage or to put courage into people going through trials, troubles or temptation. And it's, it, it would almost go without saying that both you and I are going through any one of those three things at any time in our life. We'll always be going through something. It's difficult to find yourself or your life in a place where you're just not facing anything. And Peter recognizes that through his life of going through many things. And he wants to put courage in us as he feels the same courage rise up in himself. So let's talk about those three things as a way of an introduction. So trials come to or are there and they really test the reality of our faith to what we profess. Um, is what we're living out practically um, the thing that we say we're doing in terms of living out a godly life? The proverbial saying, does the rubber hit the road? Um, the test is to take that idea or to take that theory, if you will, and to test it to see, does it actually work? Um, James chapter 3, James talks often about having faith with works. He's saying, having faith is great, but I'll show you my faith by what I do. You don't just need to have the words and the saying you believe it. You actually need to have it practically worked out. Um, the second one is trouble. Trouble often comes and refines us. It really... Um, the, the great picture is, is it, it heats up all the stuff that comes to the surface. It purifies us and um, leaves us with a stronger faith and a character that God can use. The book of Romans 8 is often quoted when we speak about or, or want to encourage those going through trouble. And it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, speaking of Jesus. And the last one is temptation. Um, temptation tends to bring out the worst in us. But when we learn how to, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to handle temptation, it's obvious, it's often a good indicator or level of our spiritual development and maturity. They say when you squeeze a toothpaste tube really hard, what is inside comes out. And, um, this verse from 1 Corinthians, I remember being an encouraging verse growing up. It says, No temptation has overtaken you or seized you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way so that you can endure it. So Peter goes on to address or open up his letter to elect exiles for those or those people he is talking about who belong but don't belong, it sounds like a contradiction. But he's referring to those who belong to God, who are part of God's kingdom, 
who have been adopted as sons and daughters, those who have a relationship with God the Father through the sacrifice of Jesus the Son and have the Holy Spirit living inside of them, bearing witness in their hearts that they are his children. That's, that's what he speaks about in terms of belonging. And yet don't belong. Do not belong to this world, to its systems, to its values, to its movements, um, to its darkness. In fact, you and I who know Jesus, friends, we are meant to carry light. And um, it goes without saying as well that light and dark don't play well together. Where there is light, there is absence of darkness. And darkness loses its power where light has been displayed. And in Colossians 1, it says that we have been rescued out of the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves. Speaking about Jesus, the light of the world. You and I have been rescued by God out of that place of darkness and brought into a place of light. So Erwin McManus in his latest book, The Way of the Warrior, he says that the war is between light and darkness, between connection and disconnection, between oneness and fragmentation. And if you're following at the moment on social media and the news, it's easy to see that there is a dismantling of truth. And it's, it's not something new, but perhaps it's, it ha- goes through waves of being brought to kind of the foreground and then it's in the background again. But it's often referred to as postmodernism, where truth is dismantled and then it is put back together to resemble something of the truth, but it is not always what it seems to be. And um, in this breaking down of things, the good question that needs to be asked is when something is broken down, what is going to be built up in its place? And who is building that? And what is the point? And and what is it going to be used for? Um, Without being specific, we're in a time now where there is a, a lot of breaking down in society. And there are many others who are going to build other things. When they're broken down something, they're going to build it up. What we need to check for as believers is what is undermining? What is the thing behind the scenes? Is it there? Is it seeking out to destroy unity between believers, between us and Jesus within the church? Sometimes it looks like that, that these things are here to break down institutions, to set people free. But what they're building once things have been broken down is a resemblance of freedom, but actually the undermining is not freedom at all. In fact, it's bondage to other things. And it's, it's being built and governed by those who do not have hearts after Jesus. Friends, the solution for any building or breaking down has to be the gospel and always has to be Jesus. If there is anything else, I believe that that can become idolatry or a fake representation of what God has already set in place. And interestingly enough, the same author I spoke about earlier says in his book that when your fire has been set on eternity... There is no moment in time that can snuff that fire out. A wonderful quote for the church. The church has been set in place from eternity. It was always God's plan, friends, to bring about for the salvation of people to bring about the church. Those who are trying to dismantle and hurt the church of now, it will not last into the future because Jesus continues to build the future, the church in present and the church in the future. He's already doing it and he has been doing it. And there is nothing that man or the enemy can set in place, that Satan can set in place, that will overcome the work that Jesus is doing in and through the church. So with that eternity in your heart, this is what Peter speaks about. Let's go from verse 3 of chapter 1. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes through the testing of fire, may be found as a result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Through him, you have, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So much in this, in this one scripture, I want to really try and zoom in on the words living hope. And um, one of the things I thought of, of in preparing this message was just because you're breathing doesn't mean you're living the life that Jesus spoke about. And, and that's not a condemning word. That is an encouraging word that the life you're living right now, there is so much more for you to be lived if you're living according to the way Jesus or what Jesus wants us to do and live. So allow me to use the perhaps the metaphor of a tree. Um, the Bible speaks much about abiding in and God being a gardener and us being like a plant or a tree. And in Psalms, it's filled with the um, picture of a cedar and um, speaks specifically about the cedars of Lebanon. And allow me a little bit of um, poetic license in the fact that I went and Googled and I, I'm hoping by the time you see this, that right at this moment now, you will see the picture of a, a cedar tree. And, and these cedar trees that grow in Lebanon are legendary. They are the, the, um, the, the, the significance or, or they take the meaning of, of not just loyalty and strength, but that of eternity as well. They last 300 years plus. They are, are thick, strong trees that have roots that grow deep down under the soil. The wood uh, that that tree is made of is strong wood. It's used to build ships and boats and furniture and a whole bunch of other things. And um, that tree is a tree that, that weathers seasons, weathers storms, goes through the hottest months, through the coldest months, yet it stands with branches um, out shading. Um, it, it's an incredible example for you and for I that that is what we are meant to be. We're meant to be like that tree, strong with deep roots. Um, and I think this is what Peter is talking about when he is encouraging us to have our minds set on eternity, but living in this place now of practically how do we live with that hope being worked out right now. And I want to take a quick back to the future moment um, where we look at Peter, the author. I believe that there are two, well, there are many things that, is, that you can read about where um, Peter goes through many things. There's there a whole bunch of his um, humanness in his famous failings of saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. He seemed like quite an impulsive guy. Perhaps being around um, Jesus was something that would make you impulsive and quite exciting. You never knew what was going to happen. But um, two moments in his life that I believe shaped and what he is saying to us. The first one is from Matthew 14, well-known story of Jesus walking on the water. So I'm going to read it from you and then we're going to come back and, and notice something quite profound. So from verse 22, it says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side 
while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountains to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said to Peter, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, interesting, right? But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Much is said in the scripture about Peter's lack of faith or lack of trusting Jesus. Um, also about Peter being a fisherman, knowing that you couldn't walk out on water. Fishermen who were on the water every day knew that the only thing that could get me from this side to that side was a boat. It wasn't my two feet. So what was stirring in Peter's heart when he saw Jesus and then the impossibility of doing that, he was overcome by faith and could do it. Also much is said about us being in a boat, right? Almost metaphorically, um, what, are we gonna, what do we need to trust God for? And is it a walking on water moment? Do we need to step out of um, our circumstance, our comfort zone to trust God and risk for more? But um, I want to look at the last three verses because it's been said that these last three verses are as profound as Peter stepping out of the boat and onto the water. Let's read them again quickly. It says, um, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And here, here is an incredible part. And when they got to the boat, the wind ceased. And in the boat, and when they, when they got into the boat, those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. So imagine the moment. Peter's out on the boat. He's looking at Jesus. He starts to walk towards him. And all of a sudden, he looks around and he sees the wind and the waves, the Bible says, and then he starts to sink. Jesus walks up to him, grabs him by the hand. And that is probably the moment when he grabbed him by the hand saying, Peter, why did you doubt? Why is your faith game not working today or not happening or not strong? Pulls him up out of the water. This is profound, friends. This is an extraordinary moment. He pulls him up out of the water. He would have been standing with Jesus on the water at that moment and they would have been walking their way back towards and onto the boat, through the wind, through the waves. And when they had got back into the boat, that is the moment that the storm would have stopped. And it's worthwhile saying that in that moment, Peter was no longer looking at Jesus or heading towards Jesus. He was walking with Jesus. There's something in that where if we look at the first part of it, it takes faith to receive Jesus as your savior, but he's never meant to be at a distance from you. In fact, there are many who know of Jesus at a distance, but they've never engaged with Jesus or walked with him. And it's clear to see here that part of this profound 
miracle that takes place is Peter walking with Jesus. I almost wonder if that was today. Peter would have probably had a YouTube channel then already. How to walk on water. Fishermen, who needs boats anymore? You know, there's, a, there's something that would have just blown our minds to walk with Jesus on water. I wonder if there was conversation happening between that moment and the boat moment. Um, what, yeah, what, how incredible is that? So I say that to say this, that you might be asking, okay, Ryan, how, how are you saying that I need to engage with Jesus? Well, how do I engage with Jesus? I'm clearly not going to go and walk out onto um, the sea there at Sunset Beach tomorrow and walk along the water with Jesus. How do I engage with him? Well, friends, it's not rocket science, but it does require faith and it does require determination. You need to do things like you need to pray. You need to set time aside. And then in today's busy life, even finding time for 10 minutes to pray, you may have to wake up early before work starts, before your kids get going, before you need to be at work, before any of these things, you may need to have to wake up early and open your Bible and open a piece of paper or a note on your phone and say, God, I'm here. Would you begin to speak to me? Which comes along the next point, opening your Bible and reading it and asking God to speak to you through that. Staying connected to community and church is so important. Jesus modeled this relationship for us. Connected or connection in community and church helps our walk with Jesus. How? Well, we intentionally allow others to speak into our lives. We intentionally share our challenges, our victories, um, the things that hurt us, the things that we enjoy with others in our lives. We get involved. You have to. You can't always wait for the, the invitation to be involved. You have to really push into a family to get involved. Um, J.R. Packer, who is a well-known theologian, he passed away about a week or two weeks ago. He wrote an incredible book called Knowing God. I'd encourage you to go read it if you haven't or go check it out if you haven't heard of it. He says that there is a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. When you truly know God, you have energy to serve him, boldness to share him and contentment in him. So that was the first moment. The second moment is around a fire. Um, there are two charcoal fires mentioned in the New Testament, and Peter happens to be at both. The first one is after Jesus is arrested and he is with the high priests. Uh, Peter's in the courtyard and he's warming his hands, staring into the fire. And that is when he is first confronted by, I think it is a servant girl who says, you, you're the one who spent time with Jesus. Don't you know him? And the story goes that he then denied Jesus three times. Not long after that, I'm sure that wound or memory or hurt is still fresh when he is staring into another fire. But this time the situation is different. Jesus is making him breakfast. Jesus has just been crucified. He's raised from the dead. Peter has seen him from the boat and run towards him. And he's, he said to the disciples, come and eat with me. And in staring into the fire, there's no atmosphere of condemnation. There's no judgment. There's no rehearsing of his past failures. Jesus simply asks him, Peter, do you love me? I would love to be in your, your home this morning. Why don't you ask somebody who's with you on the couch or next to you or in the same room or perhaps your kids, ask them, do you love Jesus? I remember the first time somebody asked me that question and I was immediately offended and didn't know how to respond. I, I in fact thought, wow, my, my initial, my thought was my relationship with Jesus is my personal um, responsibility and it's got nothing to do with you. And when he asked me the question again, I began to understand that my relationship with Jesus is the same thing that he shares, that Bruce shares, 
that you share. We all share the relationship with Jesus. We have authority not to come down on each other, but to get an insight. How is your relationship with Jesus? Do you still love him as your Lord and Savior? So um, Jesus asks Peter that question three times, and somehow Peter's life is back on track. There's been a, a shifting or reorientating or redirecting or renewing of Peter's um, sight of, of, of Peter's life around just that one question. And now he's headed in the right direction. And if you follow Peter, follow Peter's life, he goes on to do incredible things from these moments to the next ones. And I want to um, remind us this morning of this scripture, which you would have heard plenty of times. It's mentioned much in the gospel. It says, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's speaking about loving God emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and physically, every part of you. You could even take a moment right now and say to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, which part of my life that's mentioned here, emotional, spiritual, mental, physical, which part of my life am I not loving you with right now? Can you, can you let me know? Because every part of us will flourish and grow if we are loving Jesus in all those different parts. So taking a, a step back, the response of those in the boat when Jesus and Peter walked on water to, came back, to come back into the boat was such a good response. And, and I always remember their response because I think in any moment, whether it's in fear or whether it's in victory, needs to come back to their response. And their response was that of worship. Worship is not just standing in a hall and lifting your hands. Worshiping Jesus needs to be, become a whole new holistic way of the way we live our lives. That in every part, in our work, in our speaking to, our treating of our spouses, our children, our friends, our employer, our boss, every part of our life, physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, every part of it, if we're loving God in it, that is worship towards Him. So their response to Jesus was to worship Him. And you might be saying to me this morning that, Ryan, I'm waiting for my miracle. I'm waiting for my walking on water. I'm waiting for my Jesus calming the storm moment. And I would say this to you. If I was sitting with you, I would say this to you. I would say, which miracle is greater? A change in weather or the opportunity of walking with the creator of heaven and earth. You see, friends, sometimes just there needs to be a change in our lens of, God, I'm, I'm waiting on you so that I can do this. No, no, no. The moment and the time is right now when we have the opportunity to worship, to engage, to interact with God. And then all that other stuff, seeking his kingdom and loving him, all the other stuff will be byproducts of what happens but friends, in this day and age, we will continue to walk through trials, troubles, and temptation. But God's promise is this, is that Jesus will walk with us through the storm, through the wind, through any difficulty we're facing. And he will walk us to a place where those things are made calm and there is a place of peace. So I want to read this one quote about David Pawson and then we'll end. David Pawson says this about Peter. Interestingly enough, he says, Peter started as a man easily swayed, like a reed in the wind. And Peter's name before Jesus had changed it was Simon, and Simon means reed. But when Jesus had left him and been with him, he was as solid and steady as a rock. And, and Simon's name was changed to Peter, meaning rock. So let's, let's finish with this. I kind of want to, I want to pray with you this morning, but I want to speak into a few situations. Are you 
in a place where you feel like your life is being swayed or even your emotional state or your physical state is being swayed from left to right, where you have no stability, I believe that God wants to give you stability. Or are you someone who needs to have their lives reorientated, not just heading in the right direction, but actually pointing in the right direction? You can't head in the right direction if you're not pointed in the right direction. Or are you someone who desperately needs Jesus to rescue you or to walk with you or to bring you to a place of peace? I certainly am not going to promise that because I can't give you that. But Jesus can. The Holy Spirit can. He promises that he will. So let's pray and then we'll, we'll finish there. So if, you, if you're able to close your eyes, or if you're able to pray with someone in the room, or if you're able to lay a hand on someone, why don't you do that? Take a moment, stand up, go lay your hand on someone, um, exercise your faith. We're talking about exercising what we believe. So why don't you do that? And then let's pray. So Father, this, this morning, we, are, we want to be, Lord, as committed to you as you are committed to us, God. We see that in your word that you are faithful, that you've not only set eternity into our hearts, but eternity is a place that you have already started to work out in and through us by sending Jesus to earth. And Lord, right now, we do really want to pray for those who need to um, reorientate, your life, reorientate their lives back towards you. Jesus, would you reveal yourself by your Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, would you touch all those who feel like they're, they're directionless or going in the wrong direction or feel like they're, they're moved and swayed around by, by media or social media or, or movements or people or p- politics, Lord? And would you bring a, a steadfastness around those who, who feel like they're being shaken, Lord God, that we would be people who are are steadfast and and standing on the rock of our salvation, being you, Jesus. And Lord, I also want to pray this morning for those who feel like they have no hope going forward, Lord God, that there isn't a living hope inside of their hearts. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, those who are are trusting or hoping or, or are needing a living hope with regards to anything physical, Lord God, emotional, spiritual, mental, Holy Spirit, right now, would you move through the homes in our city? Those watching, Lord God, would you touch them? Not through a TV screen, Lord God, not through a broadcast, but in actual relational communion in in their homes and in this place where I am right now, Lord God. Would your spirit move and, and start to touch people? God, would you mend hearts? Would you renew minds? Lord God, would you would you fan to flame a living hope? where your church is is not just set on the past, present, or eternity, but Lord God, we are living for the most of now, but our hearts are set on we know that what you are doing is happening now in the past and all the way in and through eternity, Lord. So I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving. I want to thank you for healing, for touching, for renewing minds, for fanning flames into fire, Lord God, for bringing rest to those who need rest, for walking with those who are currently in a storm. And would you continue as this week goes, Lord God? Would you, would you um, continue to encourage and put courage into people and into me in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen, friends. I hope that you are with others. And if you're not, um, why don't you uh, get on WhatsApp and text some people. Go have lunch with somebody. Um, I hope you are about to have lunch with others. But otherwise, have a wonderful week. And we will see you next week. Amen. Amen.